Well, good morning and welcome to St. George's Episcopal Church on this, the fifth Sunday of Easter. We're grateful for your presence via this live streaming worship. Greetings to our brothers and sisters here at St. George's Church. And welcome to all of our friends who are uh, tuning in now from other parts of the country. We're very grateful. It's now been two months since our parish submitted to uh, civil and ecclesial guidelines to suspend uh, in-person public worship. This has been hard on Christians across the land. It's certainly been hard on us here at St. George's Church. It's simply not the same. But um, we are grateful uh, for this gift of technology and live streaming worship. In recent weeks, uh, because of our inability to gather with each other uh, around the Lord's table, uh, we decided to have a series of Sundays worshiping according to morning prayer in the Book of Common Prayer. And I think that was the wise decision. However, after those several weeks, it is important for us to return again to what lies at the center of our corporate identity, being united with Christ in his self-offering. So today, uh, we celebrate Holy Eucharist Rite too, and uh, those of us who are here present um, are privileged to receive the sacrament um, for your sake. Again, I thank you for joining us in worship today. Our liturgy continues with selected verses from hymn 193. Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen.
The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, whom truly to know is everlasting life, grant us so perfectly to know your Son, Jesus Christ, to be the way, the truth, and the life, that we may steadfastly follow his steps in the way that leads to eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Filled with the Holy Spirit, Stephen gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they covered their ears, and with a loud shout all rushed together against him. Then they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning Stephen, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out in a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he died. The word of the Lord. Thanks be, Thanks to, God. be to God.
the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do not know him and have seen him. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do and, in fact, will do greater works than these because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask for anything, I will do it. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, our reading from Acts this morning doesn't pull any punches when it comes to introducing us to Paul the Apostle. In our first glimpse of him, he watches approvingly while an angry mob executes one of the first deacons of the Jerusalem church. Actually, executes makes it sound legal. This stoning was illegal, according to Roman law. It was a savage act of mob violence, of murder. The victim was a man named Stephen, who had been chosen by the disciples as one of seven to help distribute food to those in need, particularly widows. Stephen had drawn unfavorable attention to himself by preaching about Jesus in the synagogue. And we'll look in more detail in a moment at what it was that he said that was so particularly offensive to Paul. But first, we cannot be helped but be struck by the dramatic contrast between the attitudes of these two men. Stephen, who with his last breath prays for his enemies, Lord, Do not hold this sin against them. And Paul, the ringleader of the group that murders Stephen. What a contrast. Two men devoted to God, 
one who expressed obedience to God by praying for his enemies, one who thought he was pleasing God by killing them. It's a strange way to introduce us to the man who will be the principal character in the story of the building of the early church, the man who included Gentiles, the man who's the reason I'm here. Usually a writer would introduce us to the protagonist by showing us a snapshot of something that builds up the person's credibility. You know, the story about George Washington, how he was given that ax as a six-year-old and he went and he cut down the tree and then his father asked him, George, why is the tree dead? And he says, Father, I cannot tell a lie. I did it. You know, that's the kind of story that reveals the seeds of virtue that signal to the reader, here's the guy you can trust. Here is a man of character. But in this case, the writer of Acts, Luke probably, wasn't interested in that at all. In the middle of chapter 7, he introduces us to Saul, the violent persecutor. Isn't that curious? Why not begin with a story about the young Saul studying under Gamaliel, which the, uh, the renowned rabbi, which he did, and getting all the answers right, which he probably did, that would have set things up nicely for him to then become the theologian who could piece together how it was that Jesus knit perfectly together all of the Old Testament scriptures. How uh, Jesus would later say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father that you knew in the Old Testament scriptures. But that's not how Luke introduces him. The thing is, Luke knows that is what is most important about Paul is not his innate goodness or his linguistic powers or even his zealous devotion. All of those things will eventually play a part in his ministry, but the thing that is important about Paul is the way God redeemed him. In Paul, we see the power of God at work through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. The power of God to make a man like Paul, a violent persecutor, into the man who would one day write that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Paul will say the same thing about himself over and over again in his own letters. He says this in Galatians. I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a man of violence. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. But for that very reason I received mercy so that in me as the foremost Jesus Christ might display the utmost patience 
making me an example to those who would come to believe in him for eternal life. Luke introduces us to Paul the sinner because that is the context for seeing the power of God to redeem, to make Paul the saint. Well, this is so encouraging that God can actually use our worst actions and characteristics to bring about his good purposes in time. It's not to deny the bad effects of those things. Paul's violence and ours can cause and does cause devastation. But that's not the end of the story in God. God uses it for good. And this is actually the hallmark of knowing Jesus personally. Seeing the activity of God changing things about us. Usually slowly, but sometimes quite instantaneously. I remember after asking Jesus to come into my life, two things happened that were a complete surprise to me. One was that I could no longer say or hear uh, using the name of God in vain without being rather personally struck. You know, I'd never really thought about it before, using the name of the Lord in vain, using Jesus' name about something. All of a sudden, after I asked Jesus to come into my life, it, I just couldn't do it. And then the other thing was that the Bible became wonderful. I mean, it was like chocolate cake as opposed to dry cheese, which it had been formerly. And, you know, I didn't intend any of those things. They just sort of happened to me. But those were instantaneous. Other things God has been about in my life are taking a very, very long time, as I'm sure my family can affirm. So, Paul becomes a different man at a specific point after the stoning of Stephen. And you probably are familiar with the story. Paul himself reports that he became a different man because he met Jesus in a vision on his way to Damascus. And just to set the context here, Paul or Saul, Saul being his Jewish name, his Hebrew name, was a devout Jew who knew his Torah backward and forward. He loved God and meditated on his word. And he had studied, as I said, with the most renowned rabbi of his day, Gamaliel. The thing that consumed him was a desire to bring purity back to Judaism. He may have been involved in a sect known as the Zealots, which were about this sort of thing, using violence to bring uh, Jews back to purity. He recognized that the ways in which the Jewish people had accommodated Roman culture and Roman deities was unfaithful. And the idea that God could have become a person and died on a cross was absolutely anathema. I mean, there was only one God. It would be as if David Barr and I decided that we were going to start worshiping the goddess Athena and put up a little statue in the chapel. I mean, there would be, rightfully, some pushback from the altar guild. But then the great surprise. Because as Paul is going to Damascus, and possibly some commentators say he might have even been meditating on a very famous scripture from Ezekiel about God coming in a, a sort of hovering craft to, uh, to Babylon. He might have been meditating on God, his heavenly father. And then into the middle of this vision is Jesus. There's actually even a little mysterious illusion in that Ezekiel passage about the man. 
the mysterious man in God the Father. And there is Jesus, and Paul sees him, and all of a sudden he realizes, this is God. I see the Father in Jesus. And following that meeting, Paul was instructed by Jesus to meet a man named Ananias, who rather reluctantly, as you can imagine, since Paul was a great persecutor, agreed that he would pray for Jesus. And he says this wonderful prayer. Brother Saul, he's just already enwrapped this persecutor into the family of Christ. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way here, has sent me so you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit, indwelt by Christ. I love what C.S. Lewis has to say about this process. Here he is. And now we begin to see what it is that the New Testament is always talking about. It talks about Christians being born again. It talks about them putting on Christ. Put it right out of your head, the idea that these are only fancy ways of saying that Christians are to read what Christ said and carry it out. As a man might read what Plato or Marx said and try to carry it out. They mean something much more than that. They mean that a real person, Christ, here and now, in that very room, wherever you are in your rooms and your houses, in that very room where you are saying your prayers, is doing things to you. It is not a question of a good man who died 2,000 years ago. It is a living man, still as much God as he was when he created the world, really coming and interfering with your very self. Not many experienced the kind of dramatic visionary encounter with Jesus that Paul did. But part of being Christian is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We do, of course, pray for that at baptism. But I once heard somebody say, we are leaky vessels, so we need to pray that prayer constantly. I wonder if you have recently prayed to be filled anew with the Holy Spirit. And I'm not just saying any old spirit. I'm saying the Holy Spirit of the crucified, resurrected Jesus. The scripture specifically says that Stephen was filled with the Holy Spirit right before he prayed those words. Do not hold this sin against them. Saying such words was the fruit. This is the sort of fruit that we will very much need going forward as a church in the months to come. There will need to be love and patience and self-control and kindness and gentleness of a supernatural kind. There will need to be an abundant supply of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, just, not just to get by and get through. We might be able to do that just by sheer willpower. We need these fruits abundantly so that the world will know 
the power of God to redeem so that the world will look at St. George's and you and see the power of God in the redeeming grace of Jesus in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Amen. invite you to stand if you are able as we reaffirm our faith saying together the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the The Father, Father, the the Almighty, Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son he is worshiped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray for the church and for the world. Grant, almighty God, that all who confess your name may be united in your truth live together in your love, and reveal your glory in the world. In the Anglican Communion, we pray for the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin, and the Anglican Church of Kenya. In the Episcopal Church, we pray for our presiding Bishop, Michael. In the Diocese of Tennessee, we pray for our Bishop, John, and St. George's Church in Nashville. In the community, we pray for Trinity Presbyterian Church and Buena Vista Elementary School. In our parish, we pray for our outreach ministries and our Nashville fellows, Catherine, Anna, Andy, and Will. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Guide the people of this land and of all the nations in the ways of justice and peace, that we may honor one another and serve the common good. We pray for our President Donald our Governor Bill, and our Mayor John, all those serving in the armed forces and for our enemies and those who wish us harm. Lord, in your mercy, hear hear our our prayer. prayer. Give us all a reverence for the earth as your own creation, 
that we may use its resources rightly in the service of others and to your honor and glory. Lord, in your mercy. Hear Hear our our prayer. Bless all whose lives are closely linked with others and grant that we may serve Christ in them and love one another as he loves us. We pray in the thanksgiving in the birth of James Dixon Dameron, grandson of Z and Brad Pendleton. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Comfort and heal all those who suffer in body, mind, or spirit. Give them courage and hope in their troubles and bring them the joy of your salvation. We pray for those who are ill, especially Reba Barker, Ann Carter Brothers, Betty Graham, Lynn Grassmeyer, Lois Holt, Marge Maxwell, Buist Richardson, Acra Samuels, Betty Cook Sanders, Tim Stinson, and Mary Reddy Taylor. We pray especially for all who are affected by coronavirus, either through illness or isolation or anxiety, that they may find relief and recovery. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our our prayer. We commend to your mercy all who have died, especially Anna Kate Stallings, that your will for them may be fulfilled. And we pray that we may share with all your saints in your eternal kingdom. Lord, in your mercy. Hear Hear our our prayer. prayer. You are invited to add your own intercessions and thanksgivings, either silently or aloud. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our our prayer. Almighty and ever-living God, ruler of all things in heaven and earth, hear our prayers, especially for this parish family. Strengthen the faithful, arouse the careless, and restore the penitent. Grant us all things necessary for our common life, and bring us all to be of one heart and mind within your holy church. Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Most merciful God, we We confess confess that that we have have sinned sinned against against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on you. Forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen you in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. And also with With you. God's peace. Peace. Peace of the Lord. Peace back there. Peace. Well, I'll share again a warm welcome to everybody who is uh, watching via live streaming this morning. Thank you for that. Happy Mother's Day. 
And uh, as always, on this particular Sunday of the year, I encourage every single one of us to communicate our love uh, to our mothers, uh, either directly or through God. But I hope everybody enjoys a a lovely Mother's Day uh, this day. As we have been encouraging you week to week now during the coronavirus pandemic, uh, please be mindful of all the various ways that we're trying to communicate goings on here at the church to you, pushing them out uh, through email. Uh, look at the homepage on our website. We have a parish YouTube channel uh, and social media, Instagram, Facebook, um, for, uh, again, continued communications out to the parish in these extraordinary times. One announcement I want to highlight for this coming week is a webinar that's being offered by our Director of Music Ministries, Dr. Usug Kong, uh, Deepening Our Faith Through Music, a three-week webinar on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And there's information on how to link into that webinar uh, uh, via email and through our website. But I'm excited about that. He's uh, one session, and it's excellent. I also want to, again, thank all of you uh, for your generous, ongoing support of our parish operations in this challenging season. Um, We have already made a um, revision downward in our annual budget. That's certainly not unusual for organizations in a time like this. Uh, But do know that we're very hopeful and very thankful uh, for your responsiveness to the operational needs of the church even in this time and we have provided you a variety of ways that you can give online and as i trust you know um, ongoing are our construction projects around here actually it's quite a busy place at saint george's these last eight weeks and um, if you have a chance to drive by i hope that you will take a look and i'm sure that you will be impressed but we are very grateful for the progress on that front So again, it's been eight long Sundays now. This is the eighth Sunday that we have suspended in-person public worship. There is not a single person in this parish community who is more eager to get back to being together in corporate worship than I am. I've been reading um, what other religious communities are are doing and how they're handling uh, this season. I I even read of one uh, church in another state that is just going to closed down until September. Um, Others may be waiting until August. Uh, May not surprise you to know this about me, but I am at the exact opposite end of the spectrum. I want to have public worship within five minutes of when it is allowable. And so I had a parish communication prepared to go out um, late last week. In fact, I was hoping to get it out yesterday, and I shared it with the bishop, and the bishop in his very gracious and much more prudent way, said, hold on just a little bit longer there, uh, cowboy. So um, uh, as you may have seen in his own pastoral letter to the diocese on Friday, this past Friday, the bishop has extended the suspension of public worship in Episcopal churches in the diocese for one more Sunday at least through May 17th. And that will likely be followed by a gradual reopening it's certainly here at St. George's, to some forms of in-person public worship. Uh, it'll, it'll be small at first, but, and, and, um, but I think thoughtful. And um, again, I will be communicating with the parish about that in the coming days. Even as we know, it may be weeks, if not even more than a month, before we can completely open up the facility 
on Sunday morning to public worship. But we're going we're gonna to get back to being together as soon as it is prudent and as soon as it is possible for us. So we do now turn to the sacrament of Holy Communion. Obviously, the body of Christ is not mediated uh, through a screen. I think we know that. A genuine worship is essentially, that is to say, at its essence, something that God does when the people of God are actually present to one another. And yet, and yet I believe that in spite of our celebrating Eucharist like this for you through a screen, God in his Holy Spirit can do something that will turn, what is the uh, analogy? Something like dry cheese into chocolate cake for all of us today. That, that we will, in fact, be united one to another and to God's Son. Thank you again for your worship today.
The Lord be with you. And also, and also with, with you. you. Lift up your hearts. We lift, we lift them, them to, the to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is, it is right, right to, to give, give him thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. But chiefly are we bound to praise you for the glorious resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. For he is the true Paschal Lamb who was sacrificed for us and has taken away the sin of the world. By his death he has destroyed death, and by his rising to life again he has won for us everlasting life. Therefore we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name. We give thanks to you, O God, for the goodness and love which you have made known to us in creation, in the calling of Israel to be your people, in your word spoken through the prophets, and above all in the word made flesh, Jesus your Son. For in these last days you sent him to be incarnate from the Virgin Mary, to be the Savior and Redeemer of the world. In him you have delivered us from evil and made us worthy to stand before you. In him you have brought us out of error into truth, out of sin into righteousness, out of death into life. On the night before he died for us, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread. And when he had given thanks to you, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. After supper, he took the cup of wine and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Therefore, according to his command, O Father, we remember his death. We, we proclaim his resurrection. resurrection. We, we await, await his coming in glory. And we offer our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving to you, O Lord of all, presenting to you from your creation this bread and this wine. We pray you, gracious God, to send your Holy Spirit upon these gifts, that they may be the sacrament of the body of Christ and his blood of the new covenant. Unite us to your Son in his sacrifice, that we may be acceptable through him, being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In the fullness of time, put all things in subjection under your Christ, and bring us to that heavenly country where with St. George and all your saints we may enter the everlasting heritage of your sons and daughters. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, the firstborn of all creation, the head of the church, and the author of our salvation. By him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Amen.
And now, as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. The post-communion prayer is found on page 366 of the Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and ever-living God, we thank you for feeding us with the spiritual food of the most precious body and blood, 
of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and for assuring us in these holy mysteries that we are living members of the body of your Son and heirs of your eternal kingdom. And now, Father, send us out to do the work you have given us to do, to love and serve you as faithful witnesses of Christ our Lord. To him, to you, and to the Holy Spirit, be honor and glory, now and forever. Amen. The God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight. The blessings of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen. Let us go forth into the world rejoicing in the power of the Spirit. Alleluia, alleluia. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.